Facebook, welcome. Welcome. We are <laughs> delighted to uh, help you study the Bible. My name is Dan Jacobson, and joining in the house, it's our house, so she's always here. Uh, let me bring in our <laughs> guest today. We've got uh, right in the center of your screen there is Scott Irwin in his own house. I am not in their house. And <laughs> the lovely Kristen Jacobson. Oh, that's so kind of This you. is Kristen Hello. Jacobson of um, of Facebook fame. You were just <laughs> praying. You were just praying on oh, our uh, yes. church's, um, it, what is it called? Our prayer. Live prayer. Live prayer. How, how did it go, Kristen? I have to do that on Thursday, and I don't know what to do. Um, you know, it went. It's, sure. it's always a, it's always a little hard to to navigate. And I actually tonight I had a major fail. I did not. I don't know if my you page wasn't re reloading. <laughs> she I forgot didn't to pray. print <laughs> all the things. No, I don't know if my it was my page that stopped reloading, but I didn't see the comments like the the prayer. I was like, okay, I guess we don't uh, have any prayer requests. And then I all of a sudden it said like twenty one comments, and I was like, oh. oh no. No. So I had to sift through, but that was actually probably the best part is getting to pray specifically as people are um, asking for prayer for yeah, things really that are happening. Cool. Otherwise, it just is very general. So it was nice to get to pray specifically for people tonight. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I uh, we're in like brand new technology world. So great to see everybody who's joining in with us. I am... I am just uh, logging into the feed myself, so I'm seeing who's here, and the one and only Laura Wasco is with us. Does that surprise anyone? <laughs> is that a surprise not. to you guys? Not at all. We if love we the Wascos. We were going to have anybody. We knew, we knew Laura would be here with us. <laughs> yep, and Carm Franks is here. Carm, I miss you. I'm so glad to see you're hey, here. And she says Carm. she's so excited for this. So does Claire Knight. And uh, Char, Char. Man, this is, this is a reunion right here. This is quite Claire. the <laughs> and, and a whole bunch of others. And, Jan, and Mike Adams. I saw Mike Adams riding his bike today. Yeah, I really? Give a little shout out to I heard I missed Adams. him. I heard I missed him. <laughs> it was pretty great. Okay, so you guys, I'm really excited for this. This is um, like our attempt at helping people study the Bible. Which is like one of the calls of, of pastoral ministry is uh, Ephesians 4, equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And the work of ministry is found out of the Bible. Like we kind of know this is uh, the marching orders uh, for us. And so we're just excited to be able to just get the three of us together. And I just love when the three of us are together. I never know what's going to happen. Um, and so this is live. So I don't know if I need to give like trigger. We don't need to do trigger warnings on help me study the Bible, right? No, no. this is a family show. No, we're good to go. But one of our kids is, you know, there's two parents here and no no parents watching the kids. So I... Where are the Jacobson children? We, we, that should be the title, the title of, this, uh, of this series. <laughs> that is oh, the question. Man. Uh, and so here's what, here's what we want to do. We want to just take a couple of weeks because life is weird. We don't know what's going on. We don't know when it's going to be that we can be back together. Men's group has just concluded their their six week study for the spring. Women's ministry is finishing. Kristen, when do you guys all wrap up your spring study? Um, next week. So depending on the campus, but for HP, it's Thursday. Next Thursday is our wrap up. Yeah. Um, Ali Kissy's on the on on the comments too, and I wonder. Um, hey, hey, Ali. Hey, I'm Alan. I'm trying to reach in my mind for like, does Allie make any snacks that are like delicious uh, enough for yeah. her to ask? Her, yes, her that beer bread, not it's oh, all the, the alcohol yeah. comes out, so don't worry yeah, yeah. about it. But uh, this is the trigger warning I was talking dip about from the um, from the tastefully simple that she sells. That's another shout out for you, Allie. Go buy tastefully Bing. simple from Allie because it's delicious. Allie is so That's pumped tall. that she logged on right now. She's like, see, <laughs> they're like doing my job for me. Um, okay, you guys, so here, this is, this is kind of exciting. It'll be really fun. I, we need you to use the comments section. And so part of what we're going to do is just walk you through a basic formula for how I study the Bible. Um, and, and hopefully in the process, it demystifies 
for all of us, what does it take to actually know what God says? At the end of this, I hope that you can have confidence to know that if ever you were stranded on a desert island, you would be okay. <laughs> if you had a Bible, you'd be okay to know God's plan, his way, his purpose for your life. You'd know what he's saying to you and you'd have confidence that uh, you're reading it right. A lot of Christians have have lacked confidence. Scott, Kristen, I mean, I know all of us have grown and, you know, here's, here's three people with theology degrees on a, uh, a live stream. It could feel like to be a Bible scholar, maybe I'll call it, you have to have a degree. And each one of us have gone through school. Tell us your experience of whether or not you think at the end of getting a Bible degree, um, <laughs> it gave you any superpower to know God's word. Uh, I'm going to go first because you have a master's degree. No, you have an MDiv, so you're even more yeah, Scott's, scholarly. Scott's up there. <laughs> well, I would just say, I I mean, you know how you think back to high school and you're like, I learned that? What? And you like have this yeah. vague recollection of things. And I think, I mean, there were certainly tools that I learned at Moody that helped me learn how to study God's Word. But um, the reality is that in fact, it's what we're going to be going through right now is that the the simplest, they are the simplest things that just like anything, if you put them into practice, you become better at them. And I, I think I probably understand how to study the Bible better today, not because of my degree, but because of the fact that I've spent time putting those things into practice and um, actually doing it. Because that's really what it is, is that in order to learn how to study the Bible, you just got to start studying the Bible and not just, sorry, am I, I'm talking. No, I want to, I want to cut off Scott. I want to cut off Scott before he jumps in. Because uh, one question I just want to ask you, you've done a ton of Bible studies with our ladies, as well as studying the Bible. Um, so First Peter is, a, is the first book of the Bible that we went through at Bethel. Uh, we've also mm-hmm. gone through Ecclesiastes. We're like, so feels like so close to going through the end of Romans right now. Uh, but what other Bibles, what other books of the Bible have you like in depth studied over the past couple of, of oh, years? Oh man! All right, Ephesians, John, James, First, Second, Third John, Joshua, Genesis. Now we are just finishing Genesis. I may be forgetting one. That's okay. Maybe we don't I, need you to brag. Hebrews. Right. Didn't you do Hebrews? I'm gonna brag. Hebrews. Yeah, no, that's yes. great. Hebrews. Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, Scott. Same question. No, I. That's a that's a really good question. Um, no, there are no superpowers that you get from getting a degree in Bible, but I think that at the end of the day, I agree with Kristen um, because a lot of what I think I learned in school was putting tools in a toolbox, and so hopefully, uh, you know, as you study the Bible, you can pull different tools out, but. Uh, getting a theological studies opens up so many more questions than it answers. So there's at every single point, I think in your study or your spiritual walk, there's always something else to learn. And the best way to do that is to have um, a strategy for Bible study, which is exactly what we're, we're trying to do here. We, so we didn't practice any of this, but you could not have teed that up any better, Scott, because my heart for this session is for us to learn not how to get the right answers, but how to ask good questions of the Bible. We don't want to be people who just think the Bible says one thing. Because quite honestly, the Bible is multifaceted. There's a lot that God is doing and writing, and and especially what the human authors were saying. And so what we want people to do is really learn how to ask good questions of the Bible. And so what I want to do is maybe transition us a little bit to a couple of things. First of all, I want to give a couple of ground rules. The first is that um, we are not going to use commentaries. Just so you know, the women in our study are totally used to this because that's yeah. a Jen Wilkin rule number one, no commentaries. Like, okay, give us the Jen. Okay, this is great. <laughs> This is great because usually, usually uh, people in the church are like, no commentaries. Who's going to tell us what's right? So give right. us the Jen Wilkin pitch. If you could like, you know, channel yeah. her for a second. She didn't yeah. join our Skype call, but we've got Channel your inner Jen so. Wilkin. That's fantastic. Maybe. Oh, yeah. geez, guys, if only. Um, 
No, I, her her um, methodology, and I'm, I don't want to step on your toes, Dan, for what you're about to do with these steps go we're going to go through. No but the yeah. the idea is that, like you're saying, is that you need to know that you can do this yourself. And we we I think if I can speak generally as a culture, Americanized Christianity have gotten way too lazy and expect God's truth to be spoon fed to us. And yeah. so the idea that you might have to sit in a text and struggle a little bit and ask questions and not just get to go Google your answer. I mean, let's be real. We've learned that skill, not just when it comes to studying the Bible, we have, we have lost the skill of wondering when it comes to anything. Yes. And so that, mm-hmm. but that is such a, a foundational point of learning. Yes. You have to sit and say, ask the question and say, I don't get it. I don't get, it, I don't get it until you cross over that barrier that's what makes it um, real, and that's what allows you to take hold of that truth for yourself. Yeah. So, part of part of the strategy here is simply to say all you need to do is read the text. And so, here's just to put my cards on the table because I'm going to offer a couple resources for us today that'll get us into this. But here's the text that I used to um, to study. Here's my notes. I took the entire text. This is the NASB, and I want to I want to get this to you somehow. I mean, you can make your own, but I've already made a PDF of this. And so, if you email me or or just drop, um, maybe I'll figure out how to add an attachment to our group or something. But I would love to give you this PDF. It's a blank PDF. There's no verse numbers. There's no chapter numbers. There's no cross references. It's just literally like what Peter would have sent to all the churches in Cappadocia and Bithynia and Asia Minor and all these. And I've just gone ahead and I've made made my notes. And I've got question marks. See that question marks right there? Hidden strength. That's like one of the things I'm like, is that something that's going to go on there? There's questions. And um, I want to just tell you. But you're a pastor, Dan. How do you have questions (laughs) about the Bible? Thank you, Kristen, because I'm still a fallible human being looking at an (laughs) infallible text. And so what I want us to do is realize that um, I've preached through this, but I have questions about it, and I don't know everything about it. And we're going to learn, and we're going to need to come to this with our, our assumptions being challenged. And so what I want to say is um, put all the outside voices out of your head right now and do your own work first. And then here's the great thing about doing this on Facebook Live. In the coming weeks, the commentary, do you know what the commentary is going to be that we use? Do you guys know? I don't. It's, it's built, it's baked into Facebook. It's called the comments. And I'm not joking you. This is theology. What is theology except for us looking at the text, us drawing conclusions and getting questions and being like, what do you guys think about that? And then having conversations. Theology is not one way. You digesting sermons your whole life is an anemic reality. What I love is when people come back to me and they're like, now I was reading this. Do you have any thoughts on that? I've been thinking about this. How does this part interplay with this? And for us yeah. to have dialogue. And so what I want to do is actually create our own commentary. It'll, it'll be, I don't know, in Facebook HP. for f- four years until we yes. delete our videos. But um, we will I just think it'll be, yeah, it'll be a really fun experience for us to, 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 see, to see how we yeah, go good. about all of this. Yeah. So two resources I want to um, encourage you to do. And so here, here uh, is, I would share it as a photo, but it's huge. Um, Jackie was like, just post that as a photo, but it's just six pages of text. So I'll, I'll, I'll send a link to everybody. Um, I got two resources today and um, we've got, you're, you have some incentive for being in the comments and for interacting because I'm going to ship <laughs> to someone uh, who has the comment of the day. I know. I think I, I have a suggestion. Do you have a better suggestion? Yes. I think <laughs> right. whoever can guess. Stop the presses. Whoa, whoa. Yes. yes. Listen, whoever Listen can guess Morgan. what it is that Scott is drinking. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Scott, you got to be honest, too. So, I, uh, I know exactly what I'm drinking. Well, you know so. what you're drinking. Okay, so there's a little bit of a lag before this is going to hit Facebook. But, oh, that, that's such a that's such a tease. Yeah, that's such a tease. Okay. I think it's I mean, I Gail Morris is still here for the donuts. Don't you worry, Gail. We got you yeah. covered. Don't you worry. She is like, you know what? I'm the here donuts. for the donuts. Jennifer's guessing tea, but I feel like we does it need to be a more specific type of tea? Or should we is it tea? It, it is tea. It is a very specific type of tea. Oh my goodness, Kristen, how specific but, do you have to be? 
you know, I, that's a, there's okay. a lot of tea out there. Can Lots I? Are writing tea. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Sorry, I, Dan, I feel like I derailed you here. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so, so Laura Wasco was the first to write tea. No, Jennifer Isaac was the first to write tea. Uh, is that right? I it it so. is tea, yeah. All right. What type of tea is, is it, it? It is English breakfast, decaf. Because Did anyone say other. English breakfast? We got right. Well, Kristen, you monitor the, uh, the yeah. comments for a second. Let me, tell them, let, me, let me tell them, Johnny, what they want. This is a uh, – okay, so here, here's what I got for you. This is a leather-bound fake leather because that's cruel. <laughs> uh, New American Standard Bible. I, I want to draw your attention to this. This is very important. The 1995 edition. Ask me why that's important. Because the Bulls won a championship that year. Yes. No, actually, they did not. Come on, Scott. Oh, oh you're right. It was right. one of the years that Michael was, was trying to <laughs> hit home runs. Okay, the 1995 version is the last time it was updated. Just that's it. Um, this is a side column reference Bible. The reason I'm showing you all this is because there's space in this Bible for you to draw. And so whoever Kristen picks is being closest to Scott's drink i'm gonna send you this i got another thing to give away too but maybe we should save that for um later later in our um later in our thing so kristen like you it. figure out who that was and then we'll, okay. i'm just gonna I, amazon mail it to you i have your address if you go to hp we are like the government so just don't worry about it and uh we'll just oh ship gosh, it right to you to no problem. i don't know people know we're not like the government I, you guys know we're not like the government right um, do you want, are you wanting me to, to tell you now who we're going to give it to or later? Know who it is? Well, I can only see four at a time of the comments coming through. And so I feel like I'm, I don't know if I can't see it all. And so, but I think Jennifer Isaac, She's I don't quick. know if I'm saying it right. I think that was the first one to come through with yeah, T. I so I think we should give it to her. I think you're right. So, all right. Yay, good job, Jennifer. Jennifer. You can, whenever Amazon just, you know, deems that this is not, you know, a medical mask and yeah. they can ship it to your house so it'll get there um but here's the deal i want you guys to have a bible in front of you or this you know the document in front of you you don't have to you today you do not have to have had anything read so we're just going to go through the introduction and how we do this and so i've got just a quick um i'm saying quick and Kristen's laughing at me huh. um but here's here's a a quick uh overview of how we want to go about five categories if you can take notes at your home if you can put us in a little bit of a window and take notes on your screen if you're on a phone i'm sorry you can watch this back later but i want to help help you study the bible and our goal is to develop confidence uh in the in our our own ability to uh understand what the bible says and so here's here's just a quick um overview of this let me uh i'm sharing the wrong screen you guys let me go back Oh goodness! This is where Classic technological. Classic. Here, if I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this, does this work? Oh. Am I still showing my desktop? Is that what's going on? Oh, this is where we lost everyone. Nick from California, don't go anywhere. All right, <laughs> except for come back to Indiana. I don't know. It's not Dan, working. Your desktop has so many things on it. I know. I saw it for a sec. I know. It's so <laughs> it's so cluttered. It's embarrassing, really. I'm so embarrassed by my desktop. All right. Let me uh, – I'm pulling it back up on the Google machine. And uh, we're going to – all right. I disappeared. And boom. Here we go. And then this, we're going to present that. Ta-da. And I would love there are for 45 it. people watching. So you better hurry up here. Listen, <laughs> they don't care. They're at 719 in a pandemic. Where are they going? I'm just kidding. You guys, you should, you should really stay here. All right. Let me see if I can pull, uh, pull our camera. Eric Wasco says this is great radio. This is great radio. Yeah. It's totally great. radio. All right. You guys are back here. So we're good. All right. Um, I want to, so they're seeing something else. Huh? Yeah. You guys can't see it, but that's all right. You should know all this yeah, stuff. I got it. Yep. All right. The purpose here, we want to have confidence in what the Bible says uh, and what it means and, and how we can understand what it means both then and now. Why should we study the Bible? I'm going to give you three reasons 
uh, why we should study the Bible. And, and they're kind of mean. And if you think they're mean, they come from my grandfather. So everybody just calm down. He, has, he says, because a lot of people respect the Bible, but don't read it. Isn't that true? A lot of people out there will say like, oh, the Bible. You hear presidents quote the Bible, but have they read it? We don't know. I hope so. Right. Um, how many people in our own family and in our own church respect the Bible, but actually don't take it off the shelf or open the app? So we should study it. Because respecting the Bible is not enough. We should read it. But many people read it and they don't understand it. I think about, um, you know, even in the Bible itself, there's the uh, Ethiopian eunuch who is reading that very famous um, uh, prophecy. And Philip is brought by the Spirit to him. And he says, do you understand what you are reading? And he says, how can I? Well, the good news for us is that we have that Spirit that prompted Philip to go to that person. We have the ability to understand what the spirit intended for us to understand so many read it but don't understand it i would hate to get to the and end the of my eunuch, life uh, go ahead scott and the eunuch did well i was going to say the eunuch did not have the spirit you know right. in that way and, right. but I, I still think even for christians there there are times where we get into a passage and it's difficult to to understand and so we give up on it yeah. you know i i think what you guys would encourage and what we would encourage everybody here is that if you sit with the text uh, God will reward that time okay. spent. That's right. Okay. And then many people, they understand it, but they don't obey it. And ultimately, we want to go to James one twenty two. Who here has studied James one twenty two? You you can type it in the comments field very quickly. What does it say, Kristen? Where are my women of the word at? Sorry, <laughs> what'd you say? Well, what does it say? <laughs> what, what is it? What verse? I don't. I wasn't paying attention. James, do you not James. do you not be? All right, I'll give it to word. you. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Hearers of the word, but be doers. Yeah. That's right. If you hear the word, you're deceiving yourself. And so I want to give a the warning. Mirror. I want to give a warning to say Bible study can lead us towards feeling like we are more spiritually mature than we are. Even, even the devil knew the Bible, but obedience is what God wants from us. And so we want to be people who come to the text, not trying to prove our own points, but saying, God, how would you shape my life in light of this? That's, that's what we're going for. Why else would we study the Bible? Uh, well, it's rather, uh, I guess I've got builds on these. Uh, because the Bible is robust. The Bible is like a lamp. It's like food. It's like a mirror. It's like water. It's like a sword. These are all metaphors that the Bible itself uses about studying the Bible. Um, the Bible prepares us for life, right? Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, uh, for all scripture is profitable, useful, so that the man of God might be, or woman of God might be, uh, built up, equipped, complete. These are all or are all um, images of, of, of being sent into the world as a mature person. And I think also because the Bible, um, through the Bible, we understand Jesus and obey his commandments. And so... Uh, for us to know our Lord means we need to know his word. And for us to obey him means we need to know his word. So I want to uh, take a, a quick second and just highlight the second thing I want to give away today. Uh, many of you know my grandfather wrote a ton of commentaries. It's ironic that I'm not letting you use commentaries because, I don't know, I guess I could get some inheritance <laughs> right now if we sold some books. But I'm just going to give this one away. This is actually an incredible book. This is called Delights and Disciplines in Bible Study. It's by my grandpa Warren Wearsby. And um, he wrote this right before he uh, passed away. This was his kind of, this was his, uh, is it a swan song, Kristen? Is that what I'm looking for? I wouldn't call it his magnum sure. opus, yep. but definitely something that um, he wanted to write his whole life for lay people. And what it is, it's two chapters on simple Bible study methods. I'm going to give you a little bit of it. Some of this in here is different than what I'm going to teach you today. Um, but he also goes through and he takes time to walk through all 66 books of the Bible to give you ways to know that you're reading that particular book right without giving you the answers. He tells you, this is Psalms. Here how you, here's how you read the Psalms. Look out for these types of things. And so, um, Kristen, I'm going to leave it up to you to uh, the best comment in our feed is going to get a copy of this shipped to their house. Uh, compliments of me uh, on, on our house to their house um, because I want to just help you understand that there's a delight in reading God's word and studying it. All right, let's get into our method. How are we going to study this? Um, I want to prime you up to say there's an organization called Simeon Trust that I'm borrowing a little bit of this uh, material from. I very much appreciate them. 
And uh, you can find out more on their website on Simeon Trust. Google them. Um, but here's an here's a overview of the method. It's five, five points. We're going to look at context. We're going to look at structure. From there, we're going to try and discern a theme. We're going to consider the gospel. And we're going to consider our life. That's all. Look at the context. Look at the structure. Try and figure out what the theme of the passage is. Consider the gospel. And then think about, God, what, how does this impact my own life? We're not trying to teach you how to teach the Bible. That's actually a very different podcast. We're trying to help you do your own work on a Tuesday morning. We're trying to help you know that when you open the Bible, you can just be a little bit more strategic about how you read it so that you can not just get quicker at reading it, but have confidence in knowing what you're reading. And so I want to talk about um, a couple of the things we've already said. If you were ever on a deserted island and you had to do a Bible study, I want you to be able to do, to do this. It's going to be you, the text, and the Holy Spirit. Um, I want you to know that you are capable. One of the things I've learned uh, through working out with Pastor Dexter is he always yells at me. He goes, there's more in there than you know. You got more than you know. And if I can just be that coach for you right now and say, there, church, there is way more in you than you even imagine. And if you just leave uh, Pastor Steve or myself or Scott or Kristen and, and, and the only ones who are thinking about the Bible, we are anemic as a church. You have what it takes. We're not leaning on commentaries, biblical languages. My old pastor said this thing. We're open to being wrong. We're open to learning and we are open to challenging our assumptions. No one comes to the Bible so that they can confirm their biases. We come to the Bible so that we can conform our lives to his pattern. It's a very important, Amen. very important distinction. Yeah. So let's talk about context uh, quickly. There's three things I want to uh, hit under context. It's the literary context, the historical context, and the biblical context. Guys, I know you're out there and it's like, you're like, oh my gosh, I knew when he said, help me study the Bible, there's going to be like college and I hate college. Listen, listen, okay, here's, here's all it is. Literary context. It just simply means what do the words say? <laughs> That's it. What do the words say? Um, Paul says in Romans 8, 28, uh, for I am, or, uh, uh, how does it go, guys? I'm, uh, for we know that uh, God, in all things, God works together for those who love him according to his purpose. God works for good there for all is. things uh, according to his purpose. That's the literary context. Before it, what came in chapter 8? What comes after it in chapter 8? That's going to form how you understand what's in the middle of chapter 8. Now, how many people have put that verse on a coffee cup and, and said, well, God's going to make me rich because he promised? When actually in the front end of it, it's like wrestling with the spirit and the groaning of the spirit and the saints and, and even um, uh, earth itself. And so it's actually against the backdrop of suffering that we know that God works all things together right. for good, right? The context, what's around the passage really is important. We can't just pick a verse out of the air and say, here's what it is, put it on a coffee mug. So we're just going to look at the literary context, the historical context. We want to know why was this written? And what clues exist in the text as to the original situation? You got to ask yourself this question frequently. Do we have a visitor, Kristen? I'm so, I'm so happy about this. Who is it? Yeah, it was bound to happen at some point. I just hope they have their clothes. That's all I hope right now. What's wrong? Um, the historical context. What clues exist in the text as to the original situation? Um, oftentimes, we want to go to a commentary to understand the background of some sort of book. Uh, you might have even been tempted to go, oh, we're going to study First Peter. Let me see what such and such an author says about what was happening in First Peter. But actually, if you would just read the text, there's so much in it, and we'll get to this in just a second, as to what you can discern, why was this written, what was going on back then that this person is talking about. Finally, biblical context. We want to look very carefully at the passage, but we want to also ask the question, what might the author be referencing from other scriptures? Is this author, is this quoting something? Is there an illusion here from somewhere else? Why did the author cite that particular thing? I was preaching uh, at our Crown Point campus, I think uh, it was back in September, Scott, and it was uh, Romans chapter 10. And I had the most obscure part of Romans chapter 10. It was Romans chapter 10, verse 6. Yeah. 
And I remember. Do you remember this? Yeah. And so I, yeah, I yeah. was going through it all and I was like, why is Paul so obsessed with quoting Deuteronomy 30 here in Romans chapter uh, 10? Romans chapter 10 says, for if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Everybody knows that. Why all this prelude about who is to say he will go up or who is to say he was go, to go down and, and, and all these things until it was honestly asking that question that unlocked the entire chapter for me. Asking why, Paul, why did you write that? Because it gave interpretive clues as to the biblical context that Paul was speaking to. Do you know how long? I mean, Scott, how long did that take me? Do you remember? Oh, well, I just remember you like coming into the coming into my office. Dan uses me as a sounding board, and I think you know yes. that's all I get used for. You no, come, as, like, come a sounding board. And, yeah, that was best. good. And uh, yeah, you. Came, I mean, you came in that whole week. You just like, you know, muddling through the text and just sitting in it, sitting in it. But that question, that why question is the question that you have to take into any text. It's going to get you so far and be the thing that unlocks this level of understanding and deeper levels of understanding in scripture. Right. Absolutely. All right. So that's context. We just want to ask questions about the context. What are they saying? Why are they saying it? Uh, Is it saying something that the Bible has said in other places? Thanks, Kristen, for taking care of our children for us publicly. Can I just say how awesome of a mom Kristen is? I just want to yeah. put that out there. I, I'm not sure how long it, it, it'll last. Doesn't so matter. I may need to excuse myself That's here. tape fix. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about structure here. Uh, structure is simply this. What is the argument? Like, what is the point? And here's a couple of things. You help us find the structure. Every book of the Bible has what we call a macro structure. I think we make the mistake of thinking that biblical writers were morons. That like they weren't sophisticated enough to be able to tell a story or to communicate through the written word. Yeah. I think we have that backwards. I want to go on a limb and say, I'm the moron. They were brilliant. Yeah. I am oversaturated with too many dumb things to be able to be smart and logical. Uh, And so every biblical... Uh, text. So I'm preaching this weekend out of Romans chapter 12, and even Paul's got this shotgun approach in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. It has no structure. I'll just tell you right now, it's got no structure. But that's the structure. His structure is no structure. And that in this highly structured book is supposed to stop and cause us to pause and and go, why is he shooting 13 commands at us like rapid fire succession? It's intentional. Paul's making a point. Look for the structure. What, how, is the, how is this content arranged? What's the logic behind it? It could be a plot, right? Kristen, you've just taught through uh, Genesis. The structure of mm-hmm. Genesis uh, was very much uh, narrative. Sometimes you had contrasting characters. Sometimes you had dialogue. Um, it could be right. poetry stanzas. There's a lot of different ways that the text could be arranged. But the structure reveals emphasis. I want to make sure that our people understand this so clearly. Structure reveals emphasis. What the author is trying to say is going to be highlighted by how they're trying to say it. You guys have heard that that statement before, the medium is the message. Uh, For the Bible, it's structure is a part of the message. It's that important. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look for repetition. How are we going to find the structure? We're going to look for transition statements, the therefore, since, if. Uh, we're going to try and see connecting words. And we're going to also look for uh, uh, keywords that are themes that are found all throughout uh, the, the, the book. We're going to get to a couple comments here in a, section, in a second on First Peter where I'm going to ask you some of these things. But once we have our context and our structure, we're going to try and take a stab at the theme. And I have to come up with my own themes. It is no good for me to say, you know, the theme of Philippians is joy. Okay, well, that's, that's great. Joy, how? Um, joy for what? Joy in prison? I'm not in prison. Uh, what's, and so I want to be able to just ignore what other people have said about joy. And I want to be able to see, um, for me, for Philippians, I would actually call it secret joy. That I think would be my theme that Paul is developing. Now, I'd have to test it against what you guys know about Philippians and what we've read about it, but I think Paul says, I've learned the secret to being content. And there's something about this joy that is secretive. And so 
I want to think about my own theme. I don't want other people to give that to me. That's, that's half of the joy and the fun of Bible study. What we want to do is express the author's main, main idea. There's a main idea typically to the book. John writes in uh, his gospel, I write to you so that you might believe or, or you might uh, believe and believing have life in the one in whom you believe. So the end of the book, John gives us his central thesis. Peter does the same thing in 1 Peter. We'll get to that in a moment. But we can discern the theme often by what the context, the structure tell us. Um, the theme has to be out of the text. Kristen, this is a bit of a hobby horse for you and me. Do you want to hit this ball uh, far or you want to just lay up and let let everybody off the hook today? I'm not sure I understand what you just asked of me. <laughs> the theme has to be I heard hobby horse. Yeah, the theme. Running. Yeah, you can't see the you can't see the screen. So uh, the theme is out of the text. The I'll say it this way: yeah. the Bible can never can never mean what the Bible oh, never meant. The Bible can't ever mean what the Bible never meant. Is that what you're looking for right here? Yes. Yes. Yep. Out of the yeah, text. The, text. Right, the original meaning. Right. Text can never mean what a text never meant. So you've got to understand it first and foremost from their um, purpose and theme. I don't know if that's what you wanted from me. I feel like we should have. We'll work on this later. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah, ask the question what did this text mean to the original hearers? What was the theme coming across to them? All right, that's that's the theme. Um, I think I'm going to talk about gospel, but maybe I skipped it. Yeah, I did. I skipped it on my screen. Can you believe that, guys? It's terrible. Two questions on the gospel. After we go through the context, the structure, and the theme, we kind of come down to like, what is this person saying to us? And I want, I want to take us as a church to make us gospel-centered people. I want to have us ask two questions. <clears throat> what part of the gospel is this text referring to? Um, in Peter, he often says that um, Christ suffered for our sins. And so there's this element of Jesus on the cross in our place, the substitutionary sacrifice, the atonement for our sins. It, he's not talking about the incarnation of Christ in that moment. He's not talking about our union with Christ. He's talking very specifically in the, in the, the, the context of the gospel. He's talking about Christ's sacrifice for us. And so a lot of what Peter does, um, I think it was Luther who called First Peter one of the most um, uh, brilliant synopses of the gospel in miniature. That all five mm-hmm. chapters are, if, if this is the only book you had, it would be enough for you to understand the gospel. That's what uh, Luther said. Mm-hmm. Um, so what part of the passage connects to Jesus? And what part of the gospel is in play in this passage? Those are the two questions. I don't think I said that very clearly, but what part is, t- is connecting to Christ? What is, what is, here's a fancy word that impress your friends, Christocentric. What is, what about this is, is keeping Jesus in the center? And then what parts of the gospel are in play in this passage? And then once you've thought about that, that might not take you very long. If you've been around church, you might plow right through that. I want you to think about life. What reality is this pointing out that intersects with my life? Here's just a bunch of application questions. What new principle should I bend my life toward? Um, What situation in my life is similar to this situation? What should I feel about God as a result of this passage? And how should I think about myself as a result of this passage? My, My emotions, my intellect, my will, all needs to be changed because I've studied the Bible and I've, uh, I've learned something about who God is and who I am, right? The Bible is a mirror. Go ahead, Kristen. I was just wanted to comment on this whole process. Um, I think so often when we are wanting to get in God's word, but not necessarily wanting to study God's word, we jump to this point right here. Yeah. We read a few verses and we jump to the questions of what difference does this make in my life? And that's where we can run into problems yeah. because we have not stepped through each of those other um, points in the process to understand the context, to understand what the, the original author intended the theme to be. Um, and, and so for, like I said at the beginning, this in, in why we don't use commentaries, why we want to do the work of studying 
um, this is the payoff. Yeah. Like this is where like when you when you are working hard at trying to understand and to, to read and reread and underline repetitive phrases and and truly get into the to the word, you may not get to ask the question, what difference does this make in my life over the breakfast table in your study time one morning? But but your process of, of reading and rereading for that day and and getting into the context for that day it will pay off. Absolutely. And so I just wanted to leave that as an encouragement that, um, that, yeah, this is, I think Jen Wilkin calls it the dessert. Like, this is like where we get to like yeah. really enjoy so ourselves good. here and get to, to grow in the truth of what we've learned. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I just wanted to add something because I have to hang up now because <laughs> our children are running. Oh, you're going to leave. No, so, just give them well, Mario Kart. I, That's I, what we do, right? <laughs> I maybe, maybe just be prepared that if I sign off, that's why. Yeah, you got it. So here's what I want to do right now. I just want to go through this and do a little bit of our own work in the, you know, the letter of First Peter. And so none of you watching at home have read First Peter. That's okay. You're going to read starting tonight, tomorrow, whenever you want to. I'd love for you to read it three, four times the whole five chapters through. It'll take you about 12 to 15 minutes to read the entire book. Might be an exercise in patience for you. I don't know. Uh, it is for me. It took me two sittings once to get through it. And, and no shame. Just get through it. Uh, I want you to read it. And as we're reading, we want to ask these questions. And I want to give you just the, the starting point. Sort of to model how you don't need commentaries to do all this. I did all this work on my own. And then I actually went back and I checked with the commentary. And you know what? Aside from one thing, I was right on everything. And that's encouraging. <laughs> that is cool. the thing where I'm like, Oh, it's not that it's right. not that hard. And I want you to know you would have yeah. had the same experience here. I just want to give you a little head start so that we're all on the same page together. Um, so first things first, who Kristen, who wrote the first letter of Peter? I know this one. <laughs> it was Peter. Yes. How do we know in the text that it was Peter? Oh, I don't even. You don't have it open, have but it. Oh, I'll give it to hold you. Hold on, hold on. I have. I do have it open. Yeah. Verse one. This letter is from Peter. This is an easy. <laughs> one. I'm glad we picked this book. My goodness. <laughs> All right. This letter is from Peter. Absolutely. So let me give you uh, chapter five, verse twelve, as well, because Peter doesn't say it once. He says it twice. Uh, chapter five, verse twelve. This is the NASB. He says, "Through Sylvanus, our faithful brother." Uh, for I so regard him. I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Um, Sylvanus is a what we call a, 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 a amanuensis. It, 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 I think it literally means like without manuscripting. It means I dictated and somebody wrote it down and helped me help me craft this. Um, and so Peter is the one who um, we know wrote this. Now. What do we know about Peter? Here's what I want you guys to do. Load up that chat feed with anything you know about Peter. What type of person was he? I just want to What type of I want to acknowledge that. Go ahead. James Tave, Jamie Taves is asking to hear from Scott. He would. He would. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to know from the, the comments what do you guys know about Peter? And just load it up. Let's just let's just load it up. Scott, what do you know about Peter? I know. Do you want me to wait a second, or you can? I would through? so love to be able to see comments, but I I've locked up my other monitor, and so I'm. Oh, I got a couple. Okay. Well, we know that Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Yep. Right. He was one of the twelve. Yeah. He was a Jewish man. Yep. He or was Jewish what? dude. A if Jewish you're dude. Laura Wasco. Oh yes, <laughs> a Jewish dude. I think that's the technical term. Is Jewish dude. A bro. <laughs> he was bold. We know that he was uh, very out there. He was very um, zealous to follow Christ. And we see that uh, in the gospel narratives, usually at the end, where Peter is looking to follow Christ. He follows in, him into the high priest in Pontius Pilate's house. and or I think it was the high priest's house, right? It was Caiaphas. Yeah. And then he denies uh, Christ three times. Yep. What else after that? Okay, so no, no, no. So this is yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> Say something about that. Oh, feeding the sheep. Yes. Um, so he is the 
Christ commissioned him kind mm-hmm. of to be the person who feeds the flock, those who are following Christ after he ascends. He was like, Peter, you are the rock on which I will build my church time or technical foul. I'm not sure. Let's open up to first Peter chapter five, verse one. Scott, do you have a Bible in front of you? I do. Oh, nice. I have a piece of paper. Nice. There's no... With the Bible on oh, it. Oh, nice. Do you want to read it? Can you read it? Yeah, sure. Which verse? Just verse one. Four? One and two. Oh, one. All right. So First Peter 5, verses one and two. Yeah. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And that's ESV. Yeah. I mean, in light of what you said about Jesus telling him to feed his sheep, what can we assume about Peter? Uh, He took that very seriously. It had to be like an incredibly formative part of his life that here he is, uh, three decades later, probably encouraging others to do the same thing that Jesus encouraged him to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and can you imagine out of uh, the betrayal that uh, of Jesus that he had that night before his crucifixion, uh, the redemption in Christ asking him to be that rock. And then we right. see this in his, like in his epistles. Um, yeah. It obviously was incredibly formative for him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who, what, what, what do we got on the chat for uh, things about Peter? Um, so I only have four, but like that come up at a time. So, but everyone's been nailing everything that we've just yeah. said. I like Lori Rodriguez just had it all. An apostle, disciple, fisherman, married, Jewish. He was the rock. I imagine she's talking about for the church to be founded <laughs> not on, Dwayne not Johnson. like the wrestler. Um and then that just went away because more came in. Oh, was that the Transfiguration? That's a good yeah. one. Oh, Crucified yeah. upside down from Sharon. Um, the first, first disciple to the first disciple to run to the empty tomb from Claire. Yeah, um, yeah he sticks his head in, think, the, in, like, the, in the tomb. Scott, say yeah. the, say yeah. what you said. Yeah, uh, Sharon brought up a really good point about Acts two. I'm assuming she's referring as as the first sermon. Um, if you compare kind of Acts chapter so 2, verse I think 23, I think it is, mm-hmm. with 1 Peter 1, verse 20, you get nerdy if you if you read commentaries, you come out an academic and people hate you. So don't read commentaries. But if you read commentaries, one of the arguments for the true authentic author, authorial nature of Peter writing it as opposed to some, you know, uh, pretender is that Peter sounds so much like the guy that Luke wrote about in Acts chapter 2. So yeah. great connection. Yeah. Great connection. Yeah. This is what it looks well, like for I us to make point. connections and ask questions about the Bible. We literally just started mm-hmm. who wrote this book. What do we know about him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and that's biblical context. Like you look at, uh, that's like part of, of the methodology. And as you kind of have more books in your study, you can make these connections mm-hmm. without having to go to the commentaries you just have to sit in the word yeah. let's uh, yep. speed this up a little bit because i want to give away some stuff yep. i was promised donuts um the <laughs> place of writing if you look at uh first peter chapter 5 verse 13 it's hinted at uh, he says she who is in babylon chosen together with you sends greetings if we pull on our bible study minds a little bit um what do we know about Babylon and and especially the New Testament use of Babylon? You want us to answer or them to I answer? want you to answer because I, I don't have time to wait for them. I'm just kidding. We're going to get to donuts. So they want the answers. <laughs> what do we know? It's yeah. it's symbolic for Rome. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. So that's um, Revelation 17. I, I'm totally wrong on that. That's a, that's a Google search right there. But... Um, in John's revelation, he talks about uh, Babylon. It is the seductress of the world. It's a code for Rome because the Christians in persecution could not just say, hey, the Romans are coming to get you. Right. right. Peter's using this a little differently. You out, Kristen? Nope, just hearing stuff. So yeah. just <laughs> Peter's using it a little differently. He's not trying to give us the um, 
like stick it to the man type of way that John is. But he is talking about Rome in the sense of Babylon, this great empire that has exiled the people. That's that's we're going to see in just a second, verse, verse two. Um, and he's using it to remind the people who are probably Jewish Christians that once the Jewish people were in exile in Babylon, it's a little bit more of a of a real. Um, less of a metaphor and more of a like allusion back to the actual Old Testament exile. Uh, the audience, the audience is followers of Christ. Uh, verse two tells us those in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Um, we want to ask the question, and that's just that's literally just right there. Um, this is acting very slowly on me. The date of writing. Nobody really needs to know this, but in, if you're a nerd, you're going to know that this is debated. I like uh, uh, AD 64 because Paul leaves Rome in AD 63, and we know that Peter would have followed Paul wherever, not wherever he went, but he wouldn't have been to Rome before Paul was. And so um, it's likely that Paul gathered together um, as he left on his missionary journeys uh, back to Spain. He uh, left in place a couple churches. He rallied some of these house churches together. And Peter um, stepped in. And we know that August of 64 is when Nero ratcheted up his persecution of Christians. That's the famous Christians being lit on torches for the pleasure of the emperor. There's a little debate about this. It doesn't really matter where you fall, um, although the dating of it can help you prove whether or not Peter wrote it. That's kind of why people do this. Um, But I think that when Peter talks about some of the little trials and then the big trials coming ahead, there's a little element of prophecy to it. I think he's, Mm -hmm. he's looking forward to that. That is debated. I'm not going to put myself on that hill um, forever. Why did he write it? I already uh, kind of quoted this, but 1 Peter 5.12 gives us the theme statement. It says, I've written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. If I say a lot of things and then I end up, you know, an email or a letter saying, I've written to you. Yeah briefly even though you're like this is six pages long bro i've written you briefly (laughs) exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of god stand firm in it what does that tell us about what peter is hoping that we get out of this letter and while we're asking that question in the chat feed here's what i want you to do i want you where the next thing we're going to ask is main themes Many of you know some of the main themes of 1 Peter already, but go ahead and just start listing out what are some of the main themes that you're going to see in 1 Peter while we're kind of kicking around 1 Peter 5.12. Yeah. You just look at this final theme, and as you read through the book, obviously the theme of suffering comes up, um, yeah. but he always is juxtaposing it with the sufferings of Jesus Christ, and that's the grace of God that we have, and we're called to stand for a minute. So it's this... Um, reminder that christ has suffered yeah. but that we are called to stand firm in that original grace that original gospel that we were taught and it's really nice when authors um like throw their thesis statement out so they easily just tell like this. You. <laughs> right. if we just read it, it they would just tell us yeah yeah yep the theme of uh this moment is that my children need me so i'm leaving okay. <laughs> but i love you all thanks Kristen, for helping us see you Kristen. she gone she made it so long. I know. 55 so minutes good. is incredible. Or 53. <laughs> Man. <Yeah. laughs> um, if I was going to try and just take this and say it in one one uh, short sentence, I would just use the words. I would say, stand firm in the grace of God. Like, no yeah. matter what comes your way, God's grace, like you said, what Christ has done, um, that's what we stand firm in. Um, one last uh, segment for us to understand what is happening in First Peter before we kind of dig into some of these comments and pick some winners for some things that we're going to send in the mail or... I don't know, maybe you or I are going to drop them off. <laughs> um, the recipients yeah, yeah. Of, Paul, of Peter's letter were suffering socially and politically. You can see this so clearly because a lot of what Peter writes about, he says he gives instructions to be subject to every human institution. He talks about suffering well, um, suffering for doing good. It's not any credit to you if you suffer for doing evil. That's foolishness. But it's credit to the Lord if you suffer for doing good. Peter gives a playbook for enduring persecution and trials. How to confront 
This is, this is interesting, and I want you to see these because it's not, First Peter is not black and white. Some of us are going to get really angry with Peter because they're like, hey, he's saying this and he's saying this, and that can't possibly be true. It's almost like he's giving situational ethics. He's saying sometimes you need to confront culture, and sometimes you need to just go with culture. Sometimes you need to accept culture, and sometimes you need to reject culture. Sometimes you're going to need to yeah. subvert culture, and sometimes you're going to need to transform culture. And in so many different ways, Peter gives us different clues in our spirit and our imagination to know how we can know what God's will is for us in days when Christians are, my, are, are a minority. And so I think um, Christians have always been drawn to First Peter because in areas where uh, you know, Christianity is a, is a subclass, it gives us hope. And at the same time, in places where we aren't a subclass, where we are in the majority, um, it allows us to reflect upon the gospel and how good God is that uh, he yeah. carries us through pain and suffering. Scott, I'm going to bring uh, just the two of us back up um, on, the, yeah. on the feed here so I can get to some people's uh, uh, We got a lot here. of people pushing um, – some good themes in the chat. I appreciated Lori. She said, um, how do we behave while suffering? And you kind of touched on that in the theme. But yep. it's so good because there are so many little themes as well throughout the book. So each individual chapter, just like a, you, you know, if you're, any of your students at home are writing papers, every paragraph yeah. is going to have its own theme that's supporting the overall literary theme of the whole thing, that literary, yeah. literary structure. But people were nailing these themes. It was very One good. of the themes that I want to encourage you guys to look out for. So, so as I read through it the first time, here's my encouragement to you for this week is to just go through and just make notes. If you don't like writing in your Bible, that's okay. You don't have to write in your Bible. Just write on this and make notes. And, and all I'm doing while I'm making notes is guessing at themes. I'm going back and I'm saying, oh, that's interesting. He talks about this here. He talks about this here. He talks about perishable and enduring, and I don't know if I can even show some of this. I mean, you can trace some of my themes through here. And I'm just trying to figure out what is, what is he trying to tell me? There's a couple themes that I would pull out too. Scott, you said one of them that's really, really big that I would go back uh, and, and I want to trace through is the theme of as Christ did, so can I. Mm. So Jesus suffered and he, he was uh, – dealt a blow that he didn't deserve and sometimes i will too how do i handle that like christ did um there's a theme of grace grace runs all throughout this letter trace the grace of god there's a theme of timing there's a theme of in the day of judgment peter also plays with these two paths those who are obedient to the word of god and those who are disobedient paul uh peter is going to constantly show that that um, those who are disobedient or those who are obedient they had two different two different dynamics that were um, at play there and so uh, I, I want to encourage you to try and find some of those themes and then next week I'm just going to be curious as we're going to walk through chapter one next week just chapter one uh, yeah. we're going to do some of this method uh, together it's going to be a much shorter video but we're just going to walk through it uh, I would love to know what are the themes that you guys are seeing and how can we trace them through as well um, here's a uh, yeah, Rebecca Douglas just dropped in there, keeping our eyes on the eternal purposes and not on our earthly circumstances. That's an yeah, excellent, that's good. an excellent theme. Um, Scott, I didn't uh, get yes. someone for my grandpa's book. Are we and, looking for best question? Yeah, yeah. There have been there haven't been too many questions. Are we asking them just to have questions about the text or about something Let's specific? Do this. Let's give, uh, let's give over the next uh, two minutes, let's just ask the question here. What are you guys hoping that we can talk about from First Peter? Um, throw that in there. Winner of that is going to get uh, a copy of uh, Delights and Disciplines and Studying the Bible. And then um, the second greatest or the first greatest, I don't know. We'll just pick one and then we'll pick another and we'll flip <laughs> a coin. Uh, Scott, we're going to take Rise and Roll Donuts to their house. Ooh, I like it. Yes. So First, what are you look either looking forward to in studying First Peter or what's a question that you have? You got like <laughs> 60 seconds to get your answer in before I turn into a pumpkin. Verge leaders, Verge leaders are getting Rise and Roll Donuts tomorrow. Bet and I are dropping them all Should off. Should we change it? Or, 
No, no. Well, we were either going to do Rise and Roll Donuts or the Rodriguez's Cupcakes. Are they open tomorrow? Do you know? Is Maria in this? That'd be awesome. Maria, are you on? Maria, if you're on, you get whatever you want if we can have some I actually cupcakes. thought I saw her name, and I was like, oh, Did you? we should get cupcakes, yeah. Bellastani and Val Bellastani. They are the Oh, there's best. Maria. Is she here? I'm just looking forward. Yeah, she says, I'm just looking forward to understanding reading the Bible. I love it. Well, she can't win her own cupcakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jamie Taves says, can I get that outline breakdown of the five ways to digest scripture? And I think he's talking like the methodology, those five. Um, yeah, uh, this is going to be um, uh, replayable, so you can you can do that. And then what with the um, the text, maybe the seventh page, I will just drop those uh, those five things and some of their subpoints uh, onto it, so you don't have to go back and watch all the, the whole video. You can just uh, pick up the uh, the PDF of it. No problem. Yeah. Um, ben Fraley has a really good. Uh, he says Maria said she does donuts, bro. She said she Maria. does donuts. All right, Maria, Maria we'll, we'll hit you up. <laughs> we're gonna get half a dozen of whatever your choice, chef's choice, and we're who are we gonna deliver it to, Scott? This is my favorite well, part of the day. I, ben Fraley, he says um, he's looking forward to discerning some of what is cultural and might apply differently now. I think that's really cool, like just peeling away the historic um, layers to try to get to that principle and how can we apply that to to today. Yeah. Yeah. That's really I love good. that Sarah says she's uh, looking forward to studying with Matt. It's always great yep. to uh, to do that together. Laura is saying she's hoping to get wisdom on how to impact or interact with culture, uh, which that. is excellent. Not Sharon. a lot of questions, though, Scott. Yeah. Do you ask for a question? Like, what are we I, looking I about? Know. What are we wondering about? We'll get better at this whole Facebook Live hosting thing, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to pick somebody off camera or do you want to announce it now? I think we should announce it now. I think we should. It's got to be, it's got to be, uh, well, Rebecca, I want a payoff. I want a payoff. Yeah. Rebecca I went Douglas through that said, whole thing to announce donuts <laughs> in my grandpa's book. Rebecca Douglas says, how, how can we focus on holiness instead of circumstances? I think that's a really good, um, question for this as well. Yeah. I think that's good. Rebecca, I'm going to send you. You're not getting donuts, though. Even You already go to Bellistani all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, send you, I'll send you the book from my grandpa, though. I think you're going to love it. Uh, it'll be helpful for you. She, she said that's a question, by the way. That's great. That's a question. Uh, yeah, I know. What Bible do I need to do notes in? Maria, excellent question. Yeah. Any Bible. I like the ESV. That's the English Standard Version. And that's because it seems to be the most consistent scholarship that's easy to read. I'm sending uh, to Jennifer Isaac, I think, uh, the NASB. It's probably the standard for people who are studying the Bible. I don't preach from the NASB. Pastor Steve doesn't preach from the NASB. It's the most literal from the English to, or from the Greek to the English or the Hebrew to the English, which means it's not always the easiest to read, but it's the easiest to study. And so the NASB is nice. Um, you want to stay away from things, what are called tr uh, uh, transliteration, or um, what am I going for, Scott? Yeah. The message, NLT. Um, I can, I'm always forgetting the names of these things. Um, you you want to go towards a little bit more of a literal Bible when you're studying. I do my devotions in the NLT. I like the way the NLT sounds. It's imaginative. It's a little bit more common. But when I study the Bible, I'm sitting down with the ESV or the NASB, um, and uh, I'm doing it that way. Yeah, great question. Great question. Yeah. I'm thinking, uh, uh, and uh, Laura Wasco agrees that Ben Fraley should get the donuts. <laughs> Laura Wasco said, KJV, am I right? And uh, <laughs> let's talk about that for a second, Scott, because this is something that comes up in Northwest sure. Indiana a lot. Um, sure. We we need to realize that the Bible is written not in English. That, you know, back when the King James, the authorized version, the King James Version came out, it was a text that's a very good text. It, is, it has stood the test of time. It is yeah. still beautiful in what it um, says in English. The problem is, is that it's stuck in a time period. And language is dynamic. 
language is not static. We do not use words today in 2020 the same way we used them back in the 1500s. And so with that has given rise uh, to, and, and some, we can nerd out a little bit and talk about how denominations have kind of championed their own Bibles. Um, but the King James Version has um, a lot that leaves is left to be desired in the sense that it's hard to understand. And the scholarship is so good for the NASB, the ESV, yeah. even the new uh, Christian Standard Version, which is a predominantly Baptist background uh, Bible. And so um, I just, it irks me when people are like, KJV only, because they're like, God wrote it in the KJV. No, he wrote it in Koine <laughs> Greek, which is called Common yeah. Greek. And right now the KJV is not common. It is yeah. not common English. And so I, I appreciate um our brothers and sisters who are who are still hanging on to it, um, but we don't need to feel limited. That is, if anyone tells yeah. you you got to be stuck on the KJV, um, I would r- run away with the nicest Christian love that I can. So, yeah, that's <laughs> good. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. All right, we still. Who do we? Who do we say? Jess is still distracted by donuts. Claire is <laughs> distracted by donuts. I. Laura Wasco, Laura Wasco voted for Ben Fraley. For the I already donut. gave Ben donuts. He oh, you took did? my donuts the day that I got donuts. Remember that? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I love the KJV language in the chat. Say it, say it. You guys are fantastic. fantastic. You guys are fantastic. Um, the people are like voting for each other. How? So I'm preaching this week on, on the the text in Romans, um, compete or outdo one another in showing honor. This is what they're doing right now. They're like saying, oh, you should give it to this person. You should give it to this person. Not me. This person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, paraphrase. Rebecca Douglas bailed me out. It's a paraphrase. That's what the, paraphrase. That's what the message is. Yeah. I can never remember. Thank you, guys. Carm asked the question. Carm Franks asked the question, how do we live holy lives through suffering? Um, Done. Carm, you're getting donuts. I love that Carm, question. I love that congrats. question. Congrats. Okay, guys, we're going to do this again next week. It's going to be a lot shorter. We wanted to give you some of our methods so that as you're studying this week, you can have something to go off of. I want you to read the text a lot. Please do not Google things. Come with your (laughs) questions. Come here and ask those questions. I'll be coming with my questions. Scott's going to be coming with his questions. Kristen's going to be coming with her questions. And we're going to have a great dialogue. And the cool thing is this is called theology. It's not outside of our reach. You don't have to be professional. You just got to do the work. And so thank you guys for tuning in. It's a privilege to uh, serve our church. Scott, thanks for being a part of this, man. You're, yeah. uh, you're a great co-laborer in Christ, man. So with all that, I guess you got to make some more tea now. So, Yes, my English breakfast. Same time, same place next week. Same yeah? time, same place. We'll see you guys. Cool. See ya.